we're going to keep looking at uh, Galatians, uh, a letter written by, uh, sorry, a letter written by Paul, one of uh, Jesus' first followers. Um, but before I do, um, I yeah, just want to make you aware that you can send in uh, questions about uh, John's talk and about anything else that's been going on today on Slido. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, come to mind, uh, or um, just anything you'd like to uh, speak to us about, uh, yeah, you can use Slido to do that, uh, and we'll do our best to respond to some of the questions. We won't have time to do all of them if there's a lot uh, after the talk. Uh, there is also the option to ask questions anonymously, if you prefer, um, and you can see on Slido what other questions people have been sending in, and you can vote for the ones you like, uh, and then we can see which ones uh, are kind of the most popular, the most uh, interested uh, that you are about certain things. If you're watching the recording, I'm afraid that won't work for you, uh, but you can email any questions you have at questions at hopecityedinburgh.org, and someone from the staff team will uh, get back to you. Uh, so with that being said, I'll hand over to John, who will give us the talk. Technical difficulties, there we go, okay. So the wombats, what was it, where'd it go? It disappeared, there it is. Wombats don't have Christmas, that sounds brilliant. Um, Spider-Man, that's a personal favorite of mine. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, we've got some, we've got some really good stories up here um, today. Um, but uh, my name is John, uh, I'm part of the team here, and it's lovely to see everybody. Um, we're glad you, you could join us. One of my favorite stories growing up was Harry Potter, actually, um, to such an extent that I was a little bit of a nerd. So I had, like, the memorabilia, I had the props, I had the robe. I would show uh, a picture of that, but um, it's a little embarrassing, so I'm not going to. Um, but <laughs> I, it may be on my Facebook, but hopefully not. Um, but uh, the reason I ask this question is because stories are incredibly powerful. Um, you know, they... they impact us in, in many different ways. Um, in a lot of ways, they form us, and, and they make us who we are. Um, so what's really interesting is I was reading a book on Christian character formation recently, and they talked about this kind of field called narrative psychology. Um, and so this is a relatively new field, and the idea is that this psychologists are studying how the stories we tell about ourselves actually form us, how they, they affect our behavior our identities, uh, even, even our memories, things of that nature. In fact, stories are even parts of our personality. So one of the leading kind of narrative psychologists, this guy named Dan McAdams, says this. He says, life stories do not simply reflect personality. They are personality. Or more accurately, they're important parts of personality, along with other parts like dispositional traits and uh, goals and values. So these things really do impact us. He's basically just saying here, the stories we tell about ourselves even affect our personalities. Um, but I don't think it's just the stories we tell about ourselves. I think it's the stories that we learn to love and, and cherish. So recently I read a New York Times op-ed um, by the British 
Indian novelist Salman Rushdie, and he actually makes this claim. He says, I believe that the books and stories we fall in love with make us who we are. We're not to claim too much. The beloved tale becomes a part of the way in which we understand things and make judgments and choices in our daily lives. And I think he's right. Um, Just a little interesting tidbit. Spider-Man was my favorite superhero growing up. And it's interesting that in the comic books, he was actually a biology teacher. Well, I actually was a biology teacher for a little while. Now, I'm not saying those things are correlated, but it is interesting to think about. Um, But then, of course, think of the, the power of Disney movies. I mean, what little girl doesn't want to be a Disney princess? I mean, sometimes I want to be a Disney princess. Um, But even, you know, the superhero, little boys want to be a superhero. These these stories really do affect us, and they do shape us. Um, But not only that, they shape cultures. They shape nations. You know, for example, for the Jewish people, uh, the story of Abraham, their founding father, actually shaped them. It shaped them to their their core. Um, You know, the Jewish people called themselves the, uh, the, the children of Abraham. They called them, you know, the, the God that they worshipped was the God of Abraham. This, this was an important story that just shaped them uh, to their core. Um, and what we're actually going to see in today's passage is a little bit of a, a fight over this story. So the Apostle Paul uh, is actually trying to tell the Galatians that there's some rival teachers um, who are using the story to Abraham to tell them that they have to do these things. And come to find out, uh, the Apostle Paul is going to use the story of Abraham and say, no, that's not the case. And so I'm going to invite Tim up, and he's going to read for us. So also Abraham believed in God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who realizes on the law is justified before God, because the righteousness will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that the faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Well, thank you very much, Tim. Okay, so what did we just read? What in the world is going on? So just to give you... Sorry, I have a little bit of trying to get my script open. There we go. Um, So what's going on here? So if you remember, the Apostle Paul is actually writing to the Galatians um, because they've kind of veered off track on their faith journey. Um, They were being led astray by these rival teachers uh, who who were basically saying uh, they needed to follow the story of Abraham in a particular way. Um, But what Paul's been doing up until this point, he's been mainly doing two things. Uh, and that is kind of showing the authority that he has to speak into their lives and kind of to challenge them. Um, so this is just an outline of where we've been and where we're going. Um, 
So Paul kind of makes the argument. He's like, look, I have the authority to speak into your, your, your lives for two reasons. First, he saw the risen Jesus. So he actually had an experience of Jesus. And so, of course, he has a little bit of authority to, to speak on the things of Jesus. Um, but then Paul was also um, seen as an equal by the apostles who were the leaders of the early church. Um, the apostles actually confirmed that, that Paul was an equal, Paul was an apostle. Um, but then also, Paul tells the story of how he had this confrontation with, with Peter. Um, and if you don't know anything about Peter, Peter was kind of this top heavyweight apostle. Um, Jesus called him the rock. Uh, you know, this, this was a big deal that, that Paul was able to call out Peter for doing something wrong. So, of course, if Paul can take on Simon, the rock Peter, he's going to be able to speak into the spiritual lives um, of the Galatians. But now we get to chapter 3. And in chapter 3, this is where Paul starts to give us his argument. Um, so the other, the other teachers were telling the Galatian believers, look, if you truly wanted to be connected to Jesus, if you truly wanted to have faith in Jesus and be faithful to Jesus, you actually need to be connected to Abraham. And what they, what they said was, to be connected to Abraham, you had to do two things. You had to follow the Jewish law, what was called the Torah, and you had to receive the sign of circumcision. Sorry, that's hard to say. Lots of S's. Um, but of course, Paul's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. These guys have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea what they're talking about. You know, he asks, what is it that really connects us to Abraham? What is it that really connects us to Jesus? Um, you know, what is it that makes us right with God? Is it by obeying the law, the Torah, by doing good deeds and good works? Or, or is it by faith? And so Paul emphatically says, no, it's by faith. It's not by works. And that's kind of his main, part, or main argument here. Um, but he makes his argument by actually going back to the story of Abraham. Um, and focusing on very two important biblical themes that kind of run through the story of Scripture. And so those two themes he focuses on are the themes of blessing and the things of curse. Uh, just to tell you, the Apostle Paul was a brilliant man. <laughs> he was, he's incredibly intelligent, um, highly educated. Uh, and so as I was working through this, uh, it, it was difficult because there's just so many layers uh, to this. I mean, it, it's dense. There's a lot of illusions and, and concepts. Uh, and so... To really understand why he's telling the story of Abraham, we actually need to, to kind of zoom out and look at the larger story of the Bible. And so if you've uh, seen one of these before, this is a plot diagram. Um, they used to make us, when I was in school, they used to make us fill out kind of the plot in a book. Um, I absolutely hated it. Um, but, that, you know, that's besides the point. But, but we're going to use this today to kind of walk through the storyline of the Bible. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. So what, what's the setting? What's the exposition? Where, where do we start the story? Well, the story starts in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and, and God creates the world, and his original intention for the world was one of blessing. So I'm going to call this uh, the blessing of creation. You know, he had a desire to see creation flourish. He had to see us. He had a desire to see us flourish. He had a desire to see the world as a whole flourish, to experience goodness, um, peace, and prosperity. You know, he wanted us uh, to be fruitful and multiply as well as the animals, he wanted us to, sorry, he wanted us to cultivate the, the earth, um, you know, to, to make log cabins, to, to do things like make art, uh, to, to do science, to explore the world. That, that, that was his desire for us. That was the original blessing he, he wanted for us. But of course, most importantly, he wanted us to have a relationship with him. That, that, was, that was the big one. But unfortunately, in Genesis chapter 3, we see conflict. 
We see conflict enter the story. So God gave humankind one rule, one law to follow, and unfortunately, we we disobeyed it. And um, our disobedience broke our relationship with God. Uh, Not only that, but the world became marred by evil, and and our hearts became warped towards further disobedience, um, what the Bible calls sin. So in Genesis chapter 3, we see what theologians call the curse of sin into the world. This is unfortunate because over the next few chapters, Genesis chapter 3 to 11, we see the world just continue to spiral into evil. Um, It's looking pretty rubbish. But in comes the story of Abraham, and this is where things start to get better. So, and that's what what Paul is, is trying to tell the Galatians here. They're saying, He's saying, look, let's look at, look at the story of Abraham. So if we go back and look at that story in Genesis chapter 12, we see God reach out to Abraham, and, and, and God says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to bless you big style if you, if you leave your country and you leave your father's household. And so that's actually what Abraham does. And, and so because of that, God gives him a fourfold uh, blessing or a full, fourfold promise of blessing. And so he, he says these things to Abraham. He says, I'll make you into a great nation. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless those who bless you. And then finally, I will make you a blessing to all peoples on the earth. Now, what's super interesting here is that if we actually go back and look at Galatians, Paul says in Galatians 3.8 that implicit in Abraham's blessing, implicit in the promise, is actually the gospel, um, what Christians call the gospel. But of course, what, what is the gospel? Well, well, just simply, the gospel is the good news that God was going to get rid of the curse of sin. Um, he was going to restore our relationship with him, and he was going to restore the original blessing of creation. That, that was his intention. Um, pastor and theologian Todd Wilson actually just explains it this simply. Abraham's blessing is God's solution to the world's problems. So we're, we're starting to get some hope. This, this is good. We're, we're, we're getting further in the story. We get a promise of hope. Um, and this promise, you know, this, this blessing is actually a promise that calls us to look back to the original blessing of creation. But, of course, Abraham's story isn't over yet. Um, just a few chapters later in Genesis 15, we see God recount the promise to Abraham. Um, but this time we get a very important comment about Abraham. Um, it, it says in Genesis 15, 6, sorry, there's, uh, there's Abraham's blessing. But we go back to Genesis 15, 6. Abraham, or, or Paul, quotes Genesis 15 and says this, Abraham believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. So basically what this means is Abraham believed the promise of God and God counted it to him as righteousness. So of course, what, what, what in the world does that mean? Um, basically, in other words, Abraham had faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do and, and God looked at him as if the curse of sin hadn't affected him, as if he, he hadn't been disobedient. Um, now to be clear here, the curse of sin hadn't been dealt with yet, but, but God viewed him as if he hadn't been Uh, affected by that. And so this is actually what Paul is trying to get across to the Galatians. Uh, So using the story of Abraham's blessing, he's explaining, look, our relationship with God is restored and healed, not by works, not by good deeds, but by faith. Um, You know, we're made right with God by faith, just like Abraham was, not by doing the good deeds of the Torah. So Paul just gives us a positive example of why it's faith over over works. But now he's going to give us some negative example. So, so Paul begins talking about the curse of sin, or excuse me, the curse of the law. Um, so the rival teachers were actually saying the law is a blessing. 
They're saying, hey, look, this is how we actually get connected to Abraham and then connected to Jesus. Um, but Paul's, Paul says, no, like the law is a curse. This is bad. Um, so in, in, in Galatians 3.10, he says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Uh, of course, the question is why? Why is this? Because technically the law was given by God. So it's kind of strange that, that this would be, be considered a curse. Uh, but Paul gives us an answer to that in verse 12. So in verse 12, we see, him, we see Paul say, the person who does these things will live by them. So again, what does that mean? So in other words, what he's basically saying, if you want to live by the law, you've got to complete the law. You've got to obey the whole law. Um, and unfortunately, it's impossible for us to keep the law um, because we're under the curse of sin. And I think, I think a simple illustration will, will help with this. Uh, I also think it's funny. So I've recently, uh, well, over the past year or so, I've been introduced to a TV series called Father Ted. Um, and I, I think Father Ted is, is hilarious. Um, but if you don't know what Father Ted is, it's about three Catholic priests. Uh, and one of the Catholic priests, his name is Father Dougal. Father Dougal's a little bit of a numpty. He's a little bit scatterbrained. Um, and so recently, my flatmate, Ben, and I were watching the, kind of the last episode uh, of uh, Series 3. And um, Father Dougal is on a plane with all these other Catholic priests. And he walks into the cockpit of the plane. And, and all of a sudden, he sees this button that says, do not touch. And all of a sudden, his eyes get huge and they're a little bit cross-eyed. And he just stares at the button. And the camera, like, goes in on the button and then goes in on his face and then goes in on the button and goes in on his face. And so eventually, what's he do? He hits the button. He hits the button. It empties the fuel reserves in the plane. And now a plane full of Catholic priests is about to plummet to their death. Um, But here's the thing. Uh, We're actually all a little bit like Dougal. You know, we know that we shouldn't be giving in to bad things. We know that we shouldn't be, you know, coveting our neighbor's stuff. We know that we shouldn't lie. We know that we we shouldn't be getting incredibly angry over people that don't know how to cue properly. (laughs) Don't worry, I haven't been. I I know how to cue properly. I I learned that first thing when I got here. Um, But but we do it anyway, you know. Uh, We may even be able to resist doing these things for a little while, but eventually... Eventually, we're going to hit the big red button. Eventually, we're going to, going to break the law. And why is that? It's because we're under the curse of sin. It's because our hearts are, are warped towards that disobedience. And so that's actually what Paul is saying here. He's saying the law is a curse because it basically does the same thing as this big red button. Um, you, you know, we know that we shouldn't press the big red button. We know that we shouldn't break the law. Um, but we have a desire to. Our, our hearts are, are, are warped towards that, are disposed towards that. So sooner or later, we're going to break it. Sooner or later, we're going to fail to love God with our whole hearts. Sooner or later, we're going to fail um, to love our neighbors as ourselves. So that's why it's a curse. And unfortunately, because of the curse, we're not able to fix ourselves. So we're at an impasse in the story. Um, we, we have a little bit of hope. We've got Abraham's blessing. Um, we also have the curse of the law. But of course, how do we, how do we fix this problem? And Paul... Paul gives us the answer. He says, look, it was, it was Jesus. Jesus is the answer to fix these two, two threads throughout Scripture, um, to fulfill the blessing and to remove the curse. He said, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And so that's actually the climax of the story. 
The climax of the story is that Jesus took the curse of the law on himself for us, that God became man, that God entered our story of brokenness, entered our story of sin, and became that curse for us. So by taking our sin on himself um, through his death and resurrection, he actually purchased uh, the way for us to be made right with God. So by fulfilling the curse, he actually fulfilled the requirements uh, for the curse of sin to be removed and and for um, restoration of the world to to begin. And so this actually brings us back to, to Paul's main point. You know, he says, we're made right with God through our good deeds, not through, not through keeping, or excuse me, we're, we're made right with God, not through our good deeds, not through keeping the law, but it's through faith. And, and why is that? It's because we needed someone to fulfill the law for us. We needed someone to take on the curse of sin and be completely obedient to that. And so that's what Jesus did for us. And so the only way for us to be made right with God is to have faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, and, and the faith that Jesus was the one who ultimately fulfilled um, Abraham's um, promise and Abraham's blessing. So, of course, why does this matter? You know, what's, what's the point here? Why, why does this matter to us? Um, some of you may be a little bit uncomfortable with this, the language of story. Um, and by using that language, I'm not saying, hey, 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 this, this, this is just a story. What I'm saying is this is the story. This, this is true. Um, you know, just as the story of Abraham was incredibly influential to, to the Jewish people, the story of Jesus should be incredibly influential to us. It should affect the way we, the way we live, our thoughts, um, and our beliefs. You know, it should be the forming principle of our lives. Um, and so believing in the story and having faith that, that Jesus fulfilled Abraham's promise is how we're made right with God. Uh, and, and so I know if it, maybe if you're an unbeliever, you're like, okay, that, that's nice. You know, maybe that's true for you, but that, that's not true for me. But I want to encourage you to, to actually look at the evidence. Look at the story of Jesus. Look closer at the story because uh, I think you may find it convincing. You know, if Jesus, and particularly look at the evidence for the resurrection, you know, because if Jesus did rise from the dead, then he is who he says he is, and the biblical storyline is true. So I encourage you, look at the story of Jesus. Look at the Bible. Look at the evidence. See if it's compelling enough to believe, and then, and then believe it. Um, you know, Matt gave us a good uh, kind of definition of faith a few weeks ago. He said, faith is just daring to take step after step forward into life like this is all true. And, and we want to be a community here at Hope City that wants to be a part of that. We want, we want to help you kind of explore the story and, and, and allow you to, to question and doubt. Um, but hopefully, we'll, we'll help you along in the story. So I just want to encourage you, keep looking. Keep seeking, um, ask questions, uh, and then if you come to believe, uh, you know, believe that Jesus fulfilled the promise, lean into the story, um, enter the story, and you can do that uh, with us as a community. But of course, for us as believers, why? Why do, you know, what does this matter? Some of you are probably like, I've heard this story a million times, I've heard it since I was a young, a young kid. Well, I think the question for why this is still important um, is actually we have to go back to last week's talk. So if you didn't know, we just looked at Galatians 3, 6 through 14, but actually Galatians 3, 1 through 14 is just one complete thought. Uh, And so what's interesting is if you actually look at this one complete thought, verses 1 and verses 14 actually both focus in 
on the cross. They both focus in on Jesus' sacrifice. And so I'm actually going to borrow Dustin's application from last week, but, uh, but I'm just going to slightly reword it. So we actually grow in faith by remembering the story. We grow in faith by focusing and remembering Jesus' sacrifice for us, by, by living in, continuing to live into the story as if this is true, by leaning into the story. Um, and so that's what I want to invite both unbelievers and believers to do this morning. I want to invite you to, to lean into the story. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to take our place. Um, thank you that he became a curse for us and that he took our sin. Um, Father, we ask that you would help us to continue to live into the story um, through the power of your spirit and that you would continue to help us grow in your love for you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I want to go ahead and invite, begin to invite the musicians here, up here. But uh, we're going to sing a song of response today, and it's actually a Christmas song. Um, but originally it wasn't supposed to be a Christmas song. And the reason I'm doing that is because, uh, the reason we're doing this song is because we want you to continue to live into the story. So you'll notice the climax of the story was Jesus, but where are we? So you might have heard us talk about this before, but the already not yet is where we're at. The, the new creation has begun, and it's not yet fully realized. So that's where we are. You are here. You are in the already and not yet. Um, but what we're going to do today is we're going uh, to sing a song of response of joy to the world, um, which is actually about the restoration of creation and Jesus' second coming. So with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to the musicians.